look, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Content is king. So if you have some content you need created, hit up IOPvideo.com. Video production, podcasting, you name it, we can do it. IOPvideo.com. We make things look pretty. It's the voice party. It's that time once again. We got a very special episode for you. We're doing another review. We reviewing the sci-fi cult classic Dark City from the 1990s. This was during uh, Jennifer Conley's rebirth when she was doing Requiem for a Dream. Kind of reinvent her career. Donald Trump wrong. <laughs> not not oh. quite, yeah. <laughs> are we, we not doing Dark City? What are we doing? Fear it's a docu-series on Netflix oh, called Fear, Fear City. City. I haven't seen that. So... <laughs> Uh, you did the wrong homework. Not, you're turning into Gaspar. What the fuck? <laughs> no, no, see, so Phil the engineer. So, take it away, Joaquin! Yes. All right, so, before the, the wonderful parody of an intro um, done by our brilliant engineer, <laughs> Phil Sprinter, and I mean, like, the man is nine times Jordy LaForge, or um, or data on anybody's engineering deck. I swear to Bob. Um, we're uh, reviewing the docu series Fear City, Fear and um, it's 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 crazy a Netflix. Because, um, we just reviewed Gotti, and uh, you and I, Joaquin, were talking about this. So this this is kind of how it came up. Go ahead, take it away. Sorry, I just wanted to include that. Well, it's crazy because we were talking about how we had seen Gotti in the chat and then you were like, yo, check this out. And then I kind of figured you were like, check, it was before we were going to review Gotti when you suggested Fear City. And I said to myself, I bet you he's thinking this will be great supplemental material to add to our Gotti discussion. But I was like, you know, after I got done watching Fear City, I was like, well, you know what, like for one thing, Gotti appear very much in Fear City. And then like, if we're not careful, uh, our review of Gotti could have easily turned into a history of the mafia in general, which would have taken away from like the film review within itself. But I was like, this docu-series on its own merits is actually pretty interesting, well shot, and um, and it, it tells a very unique story. That's what I was thinking. So I was like, we should we should just do this docu-series by itself. We're about to have a mob month or something. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it, it's it's interesting because this is just season one, and based on well, we we just watched you guys watched Gotti recently. Season one of this show, it's kind of the 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 prequel to what Gotti essentially was. You know, the the the, the prequel to Gotti, because I think season two of Fear City is going to be the Gotti side of the story. Um. One of the reasons I thought this was interesting he took him down. Yeah, uh, and and what one of the reasons I I think this is all relevant right now. Um, of course, I mean you guys saw your city, you saw clips of your president uh, yeah. talking, you know, and he and he dealt with the mob. They're they're saying that he wasn't directly you know connected with him, but any any builder in New York in the seventies and the eighties. You had to work with them. Like there was no way around it. They controlled the the 
the the the unions as we see in the in the so like he had to deal with them i mean that's one of the connections to to you know to now is is donald trump the whole rico thing which to me is interesting because it makes sense uh they recently used the the rico laws on what's his name the takashi 69 that's how they that's how they got so they got his ass to flip and um and then, like we were talking about in this recent uh, uh, in, in review that we did, how the Genovese mob guy just died re- recently, which kind of you know lets you know that they're, they're they're still working, they're still alive, and it's crazy how much influence these motherfuckers had, man. Um, what 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 are your initial thoughts on watching Fear City, like from from episode one, where where they talk about how you know how much power they had in New York City. Oh my gosh. Like I I had read up on the history of the mob as a kid. Yeah. Well, high school, you know. It's inter- and in my young adulthood. And I got to say it's really a trip to see just how powerful they really were. Like they had their fingers and toes into every industry across this country. Yes. Hello? Yeah. Yeah, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's, it's just it's, it's yeah nuts. It's 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 funny because like when we were doing the Gotti review and Gaspar, you said that you had only really known about mob stuff through the movies, right? Yeah. You didn't really know much about mob, and I mean, it's not that I I like glorifying it or anything. It's just interesting because. In New York, for example, after watching this documentary, I mean, you know, and, and, and many documentaries that I've watched on the mob, um, they're connected in like almost every fabric of society. It was like it was uh, gambling because one of the things that you said is how do they make money? You know, and, and like with Pablo Escobar, you know what the hell he did to make money, you know, but these guys, I mean, they, they were supposedly not dealing with drugs, but they dealt some of them dealt with drugs they fucking the gambling illegal gambling some of them own legitimate casinos uh unions they controlled all the unions uh, the, the, the restaurant unions the construction uh, and this is an interesting thing that i I've, I've heard about the mob so apparently you know back in back in the days like a like in in any other state a sack of concrete w- would cost you 80 cents, you know, 80 cents. It's just an example. 80 cents anywhere else in the country, mm-hmm. uh, a sack of concrete. Uh, in New York, it was $2.80. <laughs> Those $2 went to the mob. That was their tax. So oh, think, of <laughs> yeah. think of construction, like how much, how much they're, you know, they're, they're, they're using concrete to make. And, and, and in the 70s and the 80s, the construction was booming. Like you see in this documentary, they talk about co- construction was booming. Um, and and <laughs> our president was working extensively with these guys to get some of these stuff, some of his buildings uh, made, and and it's it's just crazy. Like every time there's construction, it's, they're getting money. For, it seems like yeah. you had no choice, though. Yeah, no, right. You know, like, like they, you got your fingers in the unions, and all you got to say is, "Look, if you don't 
give me like twenty thousand dollars, you know, we may have a picket fence on this uh, this property here. Yep. You know, and you know what's crazy? That's what I'm saying. Like, a pi- I mean, a picket line, not a right. picket fence. What's crazy to me is it's it's all like you're just sitting back collecting money because because you fucking you got to kill one guy, one or two guys, to make your point, and that is gonna fucking the fear is gonna ripple through to everyone else and like okay let's uh let's work otherwise we're gonna fly out of the building like like you see you see in the in the first in the first episode they showed that a a, a foreman was was pushed out of a, the 17th floor of a building yeah that's fucking insane dude i i, mm-hmm. I personally would just quit <laughs> <laughs> i would fucking quit um I don't know, man. Like if you're, if you're, uh, if if that that bit where they where they get catch that conversation where they're like, if it gets anywhere over, like what was it, five hundred thousand or a million, it gets crazy. 5, you call me before you. What what was that exactly? One point five million. One point five million to two million. What was that exactly? Because I I kind of. So what it is is um. Let's say uh, it was a it was a construction contract. Uh-huh. Yeah, they they were saying if you do a bid, if you're gonna, if the company was gonna do a bid, uh, for a contract, um, and it got over 1.5 million, then they before they they do the bid, they should like talk to the mobster basically. Yeah, but it was it was yeah it was the main guys the the top crazy. That were gonna get the, um, Come to me, yeah, let main, me know how much extra the, I could take off you. It was the main, yeah. The main guys were gonna take, uh, take the the job. So- I want to know what that one foreman got beat up for. Like, why was he beat up and thrown out of a? I, I don't know how many stories, but he was thrown out of the top of a building. Like, what did he say? What did he do to offend the mob elite? Like, you go in to do your job and they beat you up and they throw you out of the. Like, seriously? Yeah, especially a foreman. I mean, I can understand the owners of the of the of the company you know because that's what they did they went in and intimidated the owners that's what specifically it was we just reviewed it sammy the bull did uh sammy the bull you <laughs> shit i wouldn't be surprised if the guy who pushed the foreman out of the building was sammy the bull because he was the, <laughs> one of, he was one of the people to be involved with construction uh i guess there was a point in this interview he he recently had earlier this year he said that there was at one point uh, no building in, in New York City was was built without him knowing about it or connected to it in some way, and that's you know that says a lot. So, yeah, um, yeah I don't I don't know that that's the thing that's scary because if you watch this documentary from the very beginning, the opening scene they have a recording playing where this guy says, whoever he's you know he's talking to if you don't bring my $200 like these dudes are making millions off of each con- contract uh, from each building and like you hear someone threatening one else's life over 200 bucks <laughs> but you but see that's how they got their millions well you start off small and you but you, we don't know who the thing is too See, you gotta. Everybody gotta start somewhere. And like, right. honestly, I don't even think that was like one of the big bosses. I think that was like probably one of the low run street guys they were bugging, Fucking you know. And he and was just like talking to some did. bookie that owed him money. Yeah, right. Because 
Another, uh, that's know, that's the only explanation that makes sense to me. You know, it had to have been like somebody <laughs> low on a totem pole. Some fucking broke motherfucker who's like just using his friend's name. Like, hey, you know who my friend is? Sammy Gravano, <laughs> motherfucker. Give me my fucking. Well, no, because you, you got to think about it, man. The way I figure it is the top guys, you know, the bosses and the underbosses, and maybe like the capos are probably pulling in millions, but all those captains and street soldiers, they're. they're I, I doubt they're getting healthy cuts from all that, you know? Not necessarily, man, because uh, I don't know if you remember what they were talking about. Okay, for example, John Gotti. They talked about him a lot in this documentary, but he wasn't – I, I like that he wasn't the main focus. Um, they they mentioned his, his right-hand man, which they portrayed him in the film, Ange, Ange, uh, Angelo Ruggiero. He yep. was like a billion, well, millionaire heroin dealer. And like, but see here, but, that was but his, see here's the thing. His, that was his guy. Like that was his. That wasn't even the top dog. He was just his soldier. You know. Here's the thing, though. Angelo was a billionaire because he was like he had a side hustle. You know what I'm saying? Like that's like saying. Uh, okay. You're saying. And this is what I mean. Officially in La Costa Nostra, they're not allowed at this point in time. At not. In, in, in the, the, the documentary is covering anyway officially to deal in drugs as a matter of fact as they covered in the movie we reviewed Gotti's particular crew was about to get iced because right. Paul Castellano had gotten had gotten whiffed that they had gotten it, it didn't oh, oh wait they're, do, they're dealing drugs well according to according to the, the, the rules we gotta ice these guys all these guys right so like and the, there's hypocrisy with that because the older guys, you know, had the opportunity to make money from prohibition. Right. Like that's where the old mob money comes yep. from. Like, you know, and essentially selling alcohol that is illegal at a exorbitant amount of for an exorbitant amount of money because of its illegal status to me. Is isn't too different than selling illegal narcotics. No, um, it's different, but it's 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 similar because you have an opportunity to charge more than you would if a product was legal. You're charging more because it's illegal. So, well, look, it's I get in trouble if I am caught selling this to you. So it's going to cost you like extra or whatever, yeah. and then you get to charge it, and then it's super popular, and then human psychology suggests that because something is forbidden it entices uh, a, a good chunk of the population just to get it because they're not supposed to have it you know what i mean same thing with with uh prohibition i think they say alcoholism actually went up <laughs> higher than it ever been because of prohibition right um people were drinking in excess that never drank before because like it was something it, it was like ooh, this is risky we're gonna go <laughs> Yeah, that, it, there's always that that thing where if you tell them not to do it, they're gonna do it. The the stove, the hot stove thing, you know, where don't touch the stove; it's hot, yeah. and you still touch it, you know. Yeah, and but I mean, and yes, it's true. Narcotics. I'm not saying that narcotics are are just are Health are not alcohol. worse than alcohol because right. they they definitely some of them are like heroin, crack. You know what I mean? They're yeah. far worse than alcohol, but. I can see why some of the younger gangsters are like, it's easy for you to sit on your throne, 
stuffing yourself with meatballs and spaghetti <laughs> while the rest of us, you know, who made your money when, during the heyday when it was easier to make it like in a morally, quote, air quotes, uh, 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 way. But, you know, we honorable, haven't made like anything honorable yet. Way, yeah. There you go. Honorable. Yeah. In an honorable way. But we haven't we don't have the opportunity to make the same kind of money you guys did. You know, we're out here on the streets, we're hustling, we're stealing uh, uh, boatloads of guns and selling them on the black market. We're robbing banks or whatever we have to do to get over. Yeah. And we're still not making that much. So they're doing it under the table. And that's the only reason why I say, well, the street guys probably weren't making the same amount of money under official means. Like if they're actually following the Lacoste Nostra route, Nostra rules, they're probably not bank bringing home that much, the lower guys. And, and I would imagine. Another reason, too, I would say, like, on, 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 well, I kind of, it kind of goes hand in hand together with your, your reasoning. Uh, mm-hmm. They also, like, those young, those young soldiers, uh, as, as they were called. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the other documentary called Cocaine Cowboys. It's based on the, like, Pablo Escobar and his whole crew. Uh, mm. and, oh, you have? Okay. No, well, I have not. Oh, no, I haven't. I haven't. Yeah, Go on. Okay, that's another fucking uh, good documentary. But anyways, um, you know these these guys, the, a lot of the Colombians and and the and the Cubans and the Puerto Ricans, a lot of Latino gangs, uh, Latino criminals were making a huge. They were ma- they were making millions in the streets of New York at the at the same time that this that this what they're talking about with cocaine cocaine in the 80s and 70s it was like everybody was doing it quaaludes all that shit like everybody was doing it so um i think these guys these wise guys they saw like the the colombians and the cubans were making and they're like fuck we can't let you know it's like it was too easy to make money back then off of that shit so it's just like it would have been it would have been stupid to not get involved with that you know um, especially, yeah. and, and, uh, I don't know. I want to attribute it to because a lot of these guys are like, if you hear what they interview, they're kind of racist. So it's like, there's no way in hell they're gonna see colored people making more money than they are, you know. And when it yeah. comes to drugs, isn't it, that whole race shit goes out the window because like the fucking the Aryan Brotherhood who are racist, they'll fucking sell drugs to black people and they'll buy it from Mexicans. Like that, when it comes to drugs, there's no fucking. Whatever, money's money, you know. And of course they'll sell it. To, exactly. Of course they'll sell it to black sell people. To black Why wouldn't they want to sell something that would potentially right. ruin their lives? But but what I'm saying is like, um, and I I <laughs> here's an example. Long time ago, back when weed was illegal, uh, I worked somewhere where the the, the coworkers wanted to smoke to go out out of their way and find out who had it this is before you know this is when you needed a cannabis card so i i actually saw the opportunity in that and i was like all right well i could get it for you i know where to go and i started doing a lot of that with with my coworkers. like i don't want to go out and find it so i can see that with this with the with the wise guys a lot of the people they dealt with who wanted it they don't want to go to those part of town like I'll go. <laughs> You're gonna pay me for it, and you get to you get to make your you get to make your price at that point when you're going out of your way to to get it for somebody who wouldn't go into that part of town. That's what I'm saying. Like 
I can see how that, you know, what you what a what a, a, a Colombian would get for you know, a hundred bucks. One of these wise guys charge someone another Italian two two hundred three hundred for, you know. Yeah, that's that's a, that's where it's like opportunity, man. When you you see someone wants it but they can't get to it, and you know you'll go any part of town like shit. Yeah, it, it only makes sense. Like I, 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 you know, obviously, it's it's when it comes to like the whole hypocrisy thing, because like John Gotti was gonna get probably whacked for dealing drugs, but yet his boss was taking money from another <laughs> guy in his crew who who was dealing drugs also. So now here's the question: Is Paul Castellano aware of that? Like, did he know? You know, because I mean, Gotti was an earner too. He's giving them money too. So the question is: Is like, did he know? Is it, or is it just that John and Angie got caught? I, uh, according to okay, so I don't know if you guys saw that documentary I sent you um, uh, a few days ago. It's a really older. Um, it's an older. The Fox one. Yeah, yeah, I saw it. Okay, where they had uh, Dominic Montiglio, who was the nephew of Nino Gaggi. I, I remember that part. Uh, yeah. There was this like unspoken bond between the Westies, the, the Irish mob, and Paul Castellano. I don't know if you remember that scene. I remember that whole bit about the Westies. I was kind of they're scary fucking dudes. <laughs> they are. They are. Um, they fucking chop people up and fucking mm. yeah. Well, those guys they're they, monsters. Yeah, they didn't have those rules. They weren't wise guys, and they dealt drugs. They they did sell drugs. They were drug dealers. You know they were connected. They had grandmothers pull in carts of drugs. <laughs> and, you know with their hair nets. Exactly. That was crazy. That's smart. That's smart. Who's gonna pull over a grandma? <laughs> it's very smart. I mean, they will now after they hear our review. But right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because fucking law enforcement, <laughs> law enforcers are listening to it. No. But yeah. Um, so those guys were connected, and and I don't know if you remember the scene where Paul Castellano actually sat and talked to the guys. It was kind of like, okay, you know, we can't sell drugs, but you guys sell drugs, and we can be connected with you, and blah blah blah. It's it's a smart way of saying I don't sell drugs, but I tax a motherfucker for selling drugs. Right, but the only problem was is that the people, the Westies, were also drug at drug addicts themselves, which it's just horrible. <laughs> which is something that's. Which which is terrible because it's it's you you can't the saying goes if you you can't really go into business with a drug addict. Oh no, that that's what that's what I I got from watching that. Like that supposedly out of well, you remember in the in, there, there was like they were they were saying there was a couple of things that guy Paul Castellano did that because uh, his his brother in law was the Gambino, which is. The, the guy, you know, the, that's what they called the Gambinos, the Gam, Carlo Gambino, and he was strict about drugs, as you saw in the Gotti movie. You know, he he talked to Gotti like, "Hey, you're not dealing drugs, are you?" And he pulls him in to, to talk in his ear, um, and, and like this guy's over here working with these drug addicts. Who, I, I, you remember, according to well, the guy they were interviewing, the Feather Featherwood guy, the the West East guy who would rat on yeah. the boss. He said they would get so high they don't even remember who they killed. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, he was probably, he sounded like him and, you know, him and, and the other Italian 
the guy whose son almost killed himself. They they see they seemed to be the most uh, remorseful. Remorseful. Yeah. You know, like like the first guy admitted that maybe he was a little naive in going to watch The Godfather and being like, "Yo, I miss home," and yeah. then coming back home and realizing like it ain't as cool as I thought it was. But I really feel like the dude from the Westies, especially when he talks about his daughters finding out what a piece of garbage he was. Yeah, like, that, he, that, yeah, he was that hurt. I think. Yeah, and and well, he, his son, it wasn't. It was his nephew. The you're talking about the 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 Philly mob guy, the one that didn't show his face. I, I know we're talking about a complete different documentary now, but yeah, sorry it's, guys. Uh, it's, it's, what it is crazy is. It all ties together in a way because you know it's it's multiple sides. This is why I'm very interested in this because there's so many different sides, and they're all kind of tied to these big events, and it all makes sense mm-hmm. when you watch all this shit, which I'll get into right now. But uh, yes, um, that guy Phil Leonetti, who was connected to the Philly mob, whose uncle and boss was uh, the famous uh, Nicky Scarfo, who of course, yeah, who was like this little guy who had a Napoleon complex. And he killed a lot of people. He he was like one of the craziest uh, mob bosses. He had this guy brainwashed. That's why. That's why. Um, just to, to touch on what you were saying, he had him brainwashed where he thought from a very young age, just like Dominic and Nino Gaji, they, they were brought up, they were raised, they were raised by mob guys, and they were brainwashed into thinking like, you gotta kill this. Like if you don't kill this guy, he's gonna kill the whole family. When in in reality, it was just. It was just a guy who was who they wanted to rip off, but that's you know it's easy it's easy to be brainwashed if you're raised a certain way. I think the most heartbreaking thing was when this kid tells his dad that he's going to be class president, and he explains that part of being class president is you monitor the class and you, you take down names of students who are misbehaving. Yeah, that that one, and then. The dad just goes, so it sounds like to me like you're teaching you to be a stool pigeon. Yeah. You can't have stool pigeons in this family. You need to go to teach it right now and tell them you can't be class president. I'm like, Oof. that is so, like, little achievements like that for kids, even though they're honorific titles with, like, even the most menial and minuscule of responsibilities, are the kind of things that boost their confidence so they will run for governor someday. I, That's jacked up. Yeah, that that was heartbreaking. Um, and it wasn't his dad; it was his godfather. But that that makes it even scarier because I don't know if you remember what he said. His 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 uh, his his godfather Nino Gaji, who was a horrible person, scared off his real dad from coming near him. <laughs> wow. But yeah, but again, yeah, this that's a whole other documentary. But um, what I wanted to touch on: so this documentary, Fear City, they 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 touched on that there was this five families, the five families of the mob. And what they, you know, what's his name? Rudy Giuliani? Did you guys? <laughs> okay, yeah. back up for a sec. I just, I have to say before we get too deep into this documentary, yeah. the thing that I feel that is special about this series um, is that, you know, in most, in most mob documentaries, you have uh, like either an omniscient narrator Yep. You know, like a la Ken Burns style, going over the points of interesting history of the mafia. Or you have varying interviews. Um, but the thing that ties 
Um, and but it's usually focused on the mob from like a mob's perspective. The thing that makes Fear City stand out to me is that it's completely told. It's almost completely told, predominantly told from the perspective of law enforcement. Right. And framed through these tapes. They're showing like reenactments of federal agents listening to the tapes. You actually kind of get to see things from the viewpoint of the law enforcement officers in a way that you normally don't. Right. And that's, that's something that I loved about it was to see that other side. And when I say law enforcement officers, I'm not talking about the boys in blue. Like the, um, uh, the Pete Black, Walkers. Black Lives Matter. I mean the feds. Yes. And I, I will Tac- say this. I think modern day Literally feds. I, I think the, the modern day feds are probably um, the the best example. Like when I say modern day, I mean like from like the 80s, like late 80s on up to like now are probably – the best example of what moral policing is supposed to be like the feds are the ones that put out the, the research warning people, Hey, we think that, uh, the Klan is going to start infiltrating or has started infiltrating, uh, police force across the nation. And well, lo and behold, (laughs) 2020, and they're still killing off unarmed black folks. So shout out to the feds, yo. dispute that because I mean yes there are a lot of those people that are working in you know the FBI and and the CIA that I I believe have well intentions I mean I know I mean I don't know people per se but I know um, well actually that's a whole other story I do have met some Also, that the 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 Ku Klux Klan. Well, not you know, it was him. He had a, a guy. Which one? Uh, have you guys seen that movie at all? I haven't. Black Klansman. Oh, wait, um, Black Klansman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Uh, Spike Lee. Spike Lee. Okay. Well, did, I don't know if you watched any of the interviews with the real officer who, who, who pulled off that operation. He was asked by uh, one of the big agencies to destroy his evidence down with the uh, about the KKK being involved directly in, in a lot of law. Yeah, that was, that was in the I mean, 70s. That's just an example. I, well, that's why I specifically said well, 80s I, and on know, up. But that's... <laughs> Because the right. FBI okay. used to be right. well, super I, shady I, I, back in the day. Nah, like Jagger Hoover was yeah, a was a right. was a dick. Come on, you know they called him the him the him American Himmler, <laughs> which is a very good description of him. But um, uh, yeah, the, going back to what you said, that is one of the things that I appreciated about this was, you know. One, they, they not only did they use the um, the law enforcement's, like you said, uh, point of view, but they had the guys who were directly like they didn't they didn't just interview the guy who was in charge 
of of the operation. They 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 interviewed the guys who literally went in to bug the mob. Yes. And that that's something I've I've I don't think I've ever seen before. Uh, other than the interview with Donnie Brasco, the real Donnie Brasco, which you know they I don't I don't think they they touched on it, but they they did talk about they had they had informants, which you know which they they talked about in the film. They didn't specifically so that just Donnie Brasco was just one of them because <laughs> they probably had multiple guys like that in in the organizations, you know. Um, another thing I wanted to say is uh, w- w- what was cool about this. I guess if you would have, you were someone who watched The Godfather in 1972, and they kind of talked about the five families, and you know they wrote about that in books, and in a way it was it was still kind of a conspiracy because I don't know if you guys follow, uh, for example, the Colombo. The Colombo is one of the mob families, and that's talked about here. Joe Colombo, the real Joe Colombo, he was uh he 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 picketed the FBI. Um, because he he was saying that they were they were being un, uh, what was the word discriminating the Italian Americans, um, so he kind of played you know in the public's image uh, the, the face of a, of of an honest man who was being targeted unjustly by the FBI. In reality, he was a mob boss, but um, you know that they, he he denounced that there was such thing as the five families. Like there's no fucking way. So. All along, that whole five families was a conspiracy. Godfathers, and then when this this uh, investigation that Rudy Giuliani, what what was the year? 80, 86, 84? Yeah, I'm there. Do you guys, it was eighty four. Eighty four. Then it comes out that there is shipping as a five families. That there is uh, that it's real. It's not just a movie thing. Like there is there is. You know, there's uh, recordings that it's like there there's proof that, now. Yeah, like UFOs exist, guys. <laughs> we have one. No, you know? I think if you're, I think if you grew up in New York during the time when the mob was around, or any city where the mob was active, you knew. It right. just wasn't. But it was. It just there. wasn't. Yeah, it, and and you know the news reports. You look at like the old news reports in these documentaries, and they say this mob boss got killed. Right. This, so it's like it's not like people. And you look at old newspapers from in the forties. Yeah. They would say gangland murders. So it's not that the it's not that no one knew. It's just that no no law enforcement could legally prove it until Rico right. came out. Well, and also like, the, thing, the thing is, you only really heard about it, like when they had the people um, testify. You know. Uh, I, I don't know if you've seen old footage of like um, the guy who was the leader of the Genovese. They ask him, you know, are you the leader? Like, no, I'm a t- taxpaying, I'm a taxpaying American. They all denounced it. And the only time you heard about it was when was when they actually had someone on trial. So it's just like, ah, he's. And they were quick to because they had. I mean, that's the thing. They had influence over over journalists and newspapers too. So. They would just put out all. He's just saying this to to save his ass, you know. And it. Yeah, they had they had judges in their back pocket. Fuck yeah, that's yeah. So, saying is is this this thing this whole uh, indictment just straight up threw it out there that yes, it's true. And for me as a watcher, it was it was interesting, even though I already knew about the five families and I knew who they were, because if you grew up watching mob movies like I did. Um, for example, you know, 
Goodfellow was was about a crime family that was involved with the Lucchese crime family. Um, Big Polly was a captain for the Lucchese's. And uh, I believe from what I watched the interview, the guy in Goodfellas who, who um, Jimmy Burke, who, uh, what's his name? Um, Robert De Niro portrayed in Goodfellas. He was like a, a member of the Westies. Um, also, Donco was based on the Bonanno crime family. Uh, the Iceman was connected to the, you know, which we watched a lot of that connected to the Gambinos and uh, the Genovese guy was friends with uh, the guy who directed The Exorcist <laughs> and he let him use one of his club to film a movie with Pacino so it's like I don't know just as, a, as someone who likes good stories it's like even though people it's horrible stories people died it's it's interesting that all these stories were, have a foundation which is the five families and that's one of the things that I appreciated about this because you know, fuck, like, what are the stories we don't know, you know? I mean, in the five families, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting how, you know, the five families are, are the five families because they are, you know, the largest, they make the most money. But it, when you think about, like, how many of the smaller families there are, like Buffalo, New York, Boston, like, even though Boston's mostly Irish mob territory, but there's a lot of from what I understand. For, from what I understand, the Irish mob has never really been as organized as the Italians. Like they've mostly been like small gangs, you know, going back, stretching all the way back to like the twenties and on up to like Whitey Bulger. They've all just sort of operated like lone wolf outfits, and right. you know, the, super, the Italians, the Russians, yeah, yeah, like the. The Italians, the Russians, so the the triads, the sorry, the triads, Yakuza, the the Yakuza's, and the former KGB seem to be like the longest running and most organized of everybody, really. Um, you know, I mean, motorcycle gangs, yeah, shout out to them, but you know, I don't, I don't know if they quite have the same level of like. Right, influence and what have you is the gangs I just listed. Yeah, because um, even the Jewish mob wasn't even, <laughs> you well, know, they, they, uh, the Jewish were actually pretty fucking powerful. Especially when you when you talk about, uh, um, I don't know if you guys follow this, uh, that um, Meyer Lansky, who was connected with you know with the Italians, but he was like one of the leaders of the Jewish mob. That was and the guy that went down to, to Cuba, too, of, right? The, the things that I've read, he he was single handedly, like picked presidents at one point, like to run, you know, like according to, he he supposedly put Nixon in power because he <clears throat> did a lot of things for him that he wanted done, and he's probably one of the one of the most, especially at that time. Uh, I believe they said his net worth was a five hundred million, or or maybe even a billion, and back then this is back in the forties started in the 20s you know like the 20s he started coming up that's that fucking is a lot of money for back in those days um yeah i mean meyer meyer was one guy but like the five families oh i see what you're saying i mean i'm not saying he didn't have a crew but i mean like the five families were the five families yeah and then all those offshoots across the nation anyway and you know back to this real quick just because you touched on the smaller um i don't know if you guys have seen Mm. the uh, the, oh, you guys did mention you saw the Irishman, right? 
where um, the yeah. the character Joe Pesci plays, uh, Russell Buffalino, where he wanted to mm-hmm. assassinate at, uh, someone using uh, like a, a hit, the hitman he was trying to con- uh, contract to, to pull pull off of was for a mob boss who lived in Walnut Creek, <laughs> Walnut Creek, California. They they I don't know remember that scene. So like, yeah, I remember that scene. It's crazy when I heard that scene because someone I knew who was very involved in drug dealing that there was a lot of mafia guys in in Walnut Creek and uh, what's that other city near Walnut Creek? Uh, actually, Lafayette. There's like a, there's a lot oh, of yeah. mob guys there, and also Santa Rosa, Santa sorry, San Rafael and Tiburon, which you know that's where all rich people live. And I was like, nah, I think that's only in New York. And when I saw that scene, I was like, oh shit, you know, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not only in New York, dude. They were. They were everywhere at one point. They, they had them in Louisiana. They had them in Canada. Like, Kansas you couldn't City. escape. Chicago's one of the most powerful ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah Chicago is one of the big ones. And then I they, think they, they, I think they had a small presence in San Francisco at one point. Uh, yeah, had to have had I, something. In L.A. is their biggest one in California. The Los Angeles mob was their biggest one in California. But, yeah, I looked at the map, and it's, uh, it's crazy because – I just started watching this stuff again recently. Uh, you brought it up in the last podcast uh, we did. Uh, the guy that, that died, who ended up being, the, he was a leader for the Genovese family. And um, that just, that just like, you know, th- th- there's always going to be a mob. Like, I don't think we can get away from that. Um, you know, back then, they probably just, they did Lone Shark, like they, like they talk about in the documentary, they Lone Shark. And... Now it's probably just the hidden charges on our bills. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that it's like, getting harder for them <laughs> to operate. You know, as law enforcement, as technology becomes more advanced and law enforcement right. becomes more efficient, I think it's kind of getting real hard for them to do what they want to do. You know? Yeah. And that's not exactly a yeah. problem. No, I... No, no, not, not well. That's the thing that, like, when people glorify the mob, you know, where, where, um, a perfect example of this was that uh, there's an interview. You know, they they do talk about how we only killed ourselves. You know, they only killed, you know, themselves. Or this interview with Henry Hill, which we talked about him in the last. He's the guy who Ray Liotta portrayed in the Godf- uh, the Goodfellas. Um, they asked him, you know, because why did he? testify against his friends and uh he said because they he was a an addict and they were bringing him in for questioning of course that that's already as soon as as soon as you're an addict and you're being brought in for questioning it's easy for them to 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 you know you're 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 it's better off that you just they they kill you because you're gonna start talking you know like hey (laughs) tell us who's in charge and we'll (laughs) give you some coke like after a few hours after a few hours, you're gonna be begging for that. Shit. <laughs> so, and that's what they do. That's what they always have. You notice a lot of these uh, indictments that they get, or whenever they get somebody to testify against them, it's always the crack crackhead or the drug addict who who fucking like, you know, he's he's yep, he's the one. Uh, so. And then in this interview, they asked Henry Hill, you know, because those were his friends from when he was mm. he was a kid. So why did he fight against him? He said, "Well, because if I didn't if I didn't testify and 
getting the uh, what's it called the the protective what was it yeah. called protective custody witness protection. Uh, they would have went after my kids, and then the guy who's interviewing is like, after his kids and his wife, he's like, wait, uh, I thought the mob didn't do that. It's like, oh please. He's like, Pfft. like they would have fucking chopped him up. They they don't. It's like I thought they got a code of honor. No, there's no fucking honor. Like these guys are fucking killers. They don't give a fuck. They would have killed my family, and like that whole bullshit that they don't go after families. That's just what they say so that you, you know, so that you don't stop glorifying them. Cause that's what he's, he said. They, they all glorified. No, how people glorify after like watching the Godfather. And in reality, that's not at all how they were. You know, they, they weren't sweet guys. They weren't fucking, you know, um, they didn't, they, as far as the code went. And when you watch this documentary where, uh, I believe Rudy Giuliani, uh, who says, they, they, you know, you open up. I believe he said it was his grandparents who opened a, a barbershop. Yeah, no, I was, that? you know, I was going to talk about Rudy when we when we got to like was it episode five when when he shows up. Uh, episode episode three. three, two. I thought two, it was like two, later sorry. in the. There's only three episodes. Like like near the end when he pops up, but uh, each episode is pretty long. There's only it's oh, okay. Only three so episodes. it's like episode and three. I, I he, thought is when he showed up. No, he shows up in episode two because he goes away after a while. They bring in the guy who bugged them for episode two. Um, but yeah, episode two is when they bring him in towards like the middle um, where he had his crew of lawyers who were like superstar lawyers. But anyways, but back to uh, he, he mentioned how they, you know, his I believe his grandparents, they opened up a barbershop and as soon as. You know, they, well, it was something they sacrificed to open. And as soon as they made a little money, then the mob came in and you got to pay us. Like you, you mentioned earlier, you got to pay us that tax, the extortion fee. Um, and that that is I mean, that still happens today. You go to L.A., like I said, the other in, we talked about, there's little vendors that have to pay up, you know, whatever gang runs in that neighborhood, the 18th Street, the MS-13s or whoever. Um and that, that to me is that's that's fucked up because the, the the government already fucks us over <laughs> with taxes. And this like, especially if the gangs are like young teens, it's like, come on, y'all, look, my tax money's already going to your high to your local high school. How about you go there and get your free lunch that I pay for already? Um, granted, exactly. the free lunch is terrible Fucking and. Kind of need to make some improvements there. That's neither here nor there. Go over there. Right? But no, really, Rudy Giuliani, you know, when he talks about it, um, you know, he's referring, he's, he doesn't just talk about his grandparents. He, he's talking about, he's like, yo, this happened to every business. Every business is getting got. And you know something? When I saw that and I saw how, like, like obviously angry and, and kind of hurt, I'd imagine um that he was by that frustrated like they're doing this to your grandparents and you see this as a kid i realized right then and there i was like that's why you're a republican Be- no wonder yeah. you hate taxes because you grew up watching the gangsters force your innocent grandparents to basically line their pockets for no good reason you they stole so i get you now so I, I look at Rudy a little bit. You know, it's like when you look into a supervillain's origin and you're like, why do you believe 
this Magneto? Why are you willing to, like, you know, go up to the Statue of Liberty and blow a thing up, uh, even though it could potentially kill a lot of innocent people? And then you go, oh, it's because he was a survivor of a Nazi camp, and uh, he 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 feels a, a certain type of way, as people used to say about, like, humanity because of this. So it's like, oh, I get explain it. Explain it again. Huh? Explain, explain it again. What what made sense about him being a, a Republican? Oh, I, Republicans. I, I don't know if I Republicans can. hate taxes, even though, you know, like <laughs> we need, you know, we we need taxes to fund our schools and roads. And if we were a more sensible country, um, our health care. But Republicans are like, no, 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 no. We don't want no, 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 no taxes. No taxes. No, no, no. Schools just gonna have to figure it out. No, 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 no taxes. So, for him to like talk about the mob um, story and and what they did to his folks and you know uh, uh, basically taking from their business, taking from their mouths, I was like, oh, that's why you're a Republican. Ah, it's your whole supervillain origin story. You just made yourself sympathetic. I get it. You're like never again. It's one of those like you know, overreaction kind of situations where it's like, hey, Rudy, I was thinking maybe, maybe we could divert some of the funds to, you know, to to help out an orphanage or something through the state. And he's like, no, no taxes. The mob did it to my family and never again. But it's to help out. No taxes. Supervillain origin. There we go. (laughs) Yeah, because he, 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 from what I've read, he, I mean, and look at look at him now. Like he turned into a villain in a way. Exactly. Uh, Magneto. Of course. Yeah. Killmonger. There we go. After. Yeah. After. after <laughs> I don't, yeah. Not as cool as New Killmonger, but yeah. Uh, when no, he was, not as cool. Uh, in, in New- <laughs> what was that? I said not no, not cool as cool. <laughs> as a green. Yeah. Like uh, there was a, uh, a a lot of New Yorkers. I don't know. I'm not. In, uh, you know, but a lot of New Yorkers that I've talked to saying after Giuliani, like New York changed in a in a really bad way. Like it, it because of him, there's a lot of things that changed that weren't good for the city. Um, I don't know if the, the the stop and frisk thing started with him. Do you remember that? He was, was that certainly a proponent uh, of it, but I don't know if he was the one that initiated it. Bloomberg was the one, but I think I think it kind of started with him. Yes. And, and which is super racist. I don't know if you guys are familiar with, with what that is. Uh, the listener, the stop and frisk is usually it mostly targets like black and brown people. I think that well, where if you look, on paper, you look like a, on paper, it's supposed to be anyone that looks suspicious. But in practice, it turns into we're only going to stop and frisk black and brown folk and i'm like what about timmy over there yeah timmy has blonde hair we trust him or wise guy but i saw something shiny in his waistband nope sorry l hector we're we're focusing on you today buddy (laughs) meanwhile timmy's going off to rob a bank five seconds from now right he's gonna do a hit for the pop (laughs) are you gonna hear me (laughs) fucking right so um Oh, okay, so the 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 film. Guess Gaspar, are you still there? Yeah, I was wondering if you guys were able to hear me. Gaspar. Gaspar. Anyways. Yeah, uh, I haven't heard Gaspar in a minute. Usually he's piped in by now. 
Elby's okay. I think he watched this. <laughs> I think that's why he's he's been. Well, okay you know also. those fires are popping off oh, everywhere. Okay. Maybe maybe the maybe the smoke got to him. Oh, I think he just got disconnected, but he, okay, he can hear cool. us. He's uh, we can't hear him. He says he's okay but, though. That's um, so are you okay? He's okay. Yeah, especially with these fires. Check on your friends, people. Uh, <laughs> what what I what I also wanted to talk about is we you know the stuff and 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 talking about the power that the mob had over New York, which you know was like we said, it spread from all over. Uh, from from they didn't really talk about gambling as much as they talked about construction. Mm. But I think construction was probably the biggest the biggest uh, money making thing for them because they really didn't have to work. Oh yeah, you just gotta threaten a couple of people, like you said. You you were just gotta the work is done by itself. That's like the most uh, profitable way of being involved with with something. Like you literally have to do nothing but kill a guy or two, which I mean that's a lot, but then you you know then you could go off and do what these a lot of these guys were doing. Their soldiers, which is you know the the heist. <laughs> you know, and and um, uh, controlling the the ports. It, it, essentially, when they talk about like they they controlled all these unions. Like if you control the unions, you control the the work itself. And when they talk about they control longshoremen, I mean, if you control the longshoremen, you control the the ports of New York. That's a tremendous amount of influence over the city. Like, oh, bitch, you want these whatever whatever's coming from China. You got to go through me, <laughs> you know? That's a lot of fucking power, dude. What I always found interesting about, like, you know, a, a quick sidebar. Yeah. Um, my, my friend Isaac had said he found uh, uh, um, Batman the Dark Knight to be, he loved Sorry, can you guys hear me now? I can hear you okay. now. I think I, I think we just, I think we just lost. Uh, yeah, Joaquin. He was in the middle of a thought, but we lost him. Uh, I, I can you hear me, Gaspar. I can, yeah. Okay, no. So what, what I was getting into was, um, um, we were talking about the the film and and how. So you 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 you, you what what did you like? I haven't really heard from you. Um, what what did you think about about some of the stuff that was said that was probably new to you? The, uh, like the when Gotti when the Gotti kills the boss that was different in the movie, right? No, not necessarily. Uh, I mean, it, it it is different in a way. Um, they, I don't I don't think they really talk well. So I don't think in the movie in the Gotti film that we just watched, I don't think they talked about. Um, how the the two big bosses were being indicted because mm-hmm. I think that had a big part in killing him. Like this dude's being questioned and he's got a lot of attention. So let's just, it, it kind of was like, okay, he knows that I'm dealing drugs. So he's going to want to kill me. And also he's, he's got the magnifying glass on a secret society essentially. Yeah. So I think that was also one of the reasons why like, let's just fucking get rid of him. <laughs> Because it's you know it's gonna bring in heat to us and it's also gonna get him killed. If if Paul if Big Paul would have went to jail, like they wanted him to, which that's one of the things I didn't like about the feds talking about how they were disappointed 
that he had to die like that because it's like they wanted they wanted to get him. It's like they it, wanted. It was a bit sadistic. I thought just. Uh, I I thought too. <laughs> yeah. Um, explain the scene. Explain the scene. What exactly the the the, the premise to that? Which For which the, scene? Well, the the whole thing about about why it's sadistic, so the people know. Yeah. Okay. Because because like. You know, we're, we're going through an era where we're questioning the just the legitimacy of, of law enforcement. And so right. I couldn't help but be thinking the whole time. It's like the mob is not the only enterprise that operates in this way, right? That extorts poor people. That It, it was built like a business. Um, what else is built like businesses? Corporations. And, and you know, they extort poor people. Uh, they, they pretty much get what, whatever they want. They have uh, politicians in their pockets, things like that. And so, but um, they're on the correct side of the law, right? Whereas the oh, the, I mean, the mob, right? Um, and so, so yeah. So watching these guys, and one of them was talking. To, can you guys still hear me? Yeah. Okay. So one of the guys was talking about how he listened to one of the bosses speak <clears throat> for I think six hundred hours for like four to five years, and it's like he's like, uh, you get really close to them. And so I don't know. I, I could I could sympathize with that. Where yeah, if you listen to somebody for that long, you're gonna um, um, you're gonna get really close to somebody, but you're Feel still connection. gonna yeah, but you're still gonna put them away. Um, and it's like, and then they're like, yeah, we it's too bad that he killed himself because we didn't get closure to our to our case. It's like what the hell? Yeah, that 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 well, was. Well, that the, was the, it speaks it to like, oh. it, it speaks to justice versus like murder because the dude the dude didn't kill himself he got murdered and the thing right. is, is like he felt like yo I didn't want the guy to get killed like I wanted him to go to jail and and do what he felt was justice served because you know uh, sometimes yes I agree to a certain extent but also to what the lawyer that was defending, you remember they, they interviewed, this is what I love, they interviewed the lawyer who was defending uh, Fat Tony Salerno, and he said, yeah. just because they're the government doesn't mean they're going to play fair. They want to win, essentially. And I felt that's kind of exactly what what he... Like, I didn't... Yes, sir. Did we lose everybody? Uh, no, I'm back. Can, can you guys hear me? Okay. okay. I can hear you. Where do we leave off? I heard last thing I heard. Oh, was, well, well, you were talking about like the officer was like, "I didn't win. Like I really wanted to win, and someone got him before I did." Yeah. That's Which wasn't how I interpreted it, but yeah. I mean, what, what, what? what uh, <laughs> like I. I see what your point was, though. Like, 
he didn't want him to die. Yes. But I just it didn't, to me, it didn't seem like it was out of remorse. Distinct. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Get, yeah, it didn't seem like it was out of remorse. It was like, I wish she hadn't died so that I could have gotten closure over the case. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I saw well, it. I mean, look at it this way. When you when you work in law enforcement like that, you're you're trained up and you really do believe that you know justice isn't just like a label, it's it's a way of life and it's a it's a, a balance of morality. Like, you know, people always say, Well, there's a difference between vengeance and justice, right? Like, you know, like, yeah, this person killed my dad, so I'm gonna go kill them. It's like, no, that isn't justice though. Justice that's revenge. Justice is having this person tried in front of a court of their peers. Like we have this system supposedly, it's not, it's not a perfect system, and it, it's never really been built for everybody. But the idea, under under the idea that it has been built for everybody, and if you believe that it's been built for everybody, like some law enforcement officials, you get the sense of like it isn't fair or morally correct. For someone to get murdered rather than have that person stand trial because they owe a debt to society and they also have the right to stand trial in front of the, the, their peers because their their peers could easily also find them not guilty you know but, what but i mean you take that also, away from somebody when you put a bullet through their head you know what i mean i i, I would agree with you if there was no such thing as a death penalty because again okay i that's something that could happen also. They could get, you know, the death sentence. So, but even then, it should be decided by, you know, like a, a, a judge and jury. Like, you know, ideally an impartial judge and jury, which is hard because people are biased. But, you know what I'm saying? Versus like, hey, he just got capped. You don't know how his trial could have turned out, you know? I mean, he deserved to have some kind of punishment. He was a mobster. He was a terrible person. But, he, you know, like, he still, in my opinion, deserved justice. Like, I, I, Yeah, I can see that. Um, I mean, I think uh, more importantly, you know, especially, okay, I don't want to sound barbaric, but, like, there's certain guys where I, I, I thought, like, I support the, the death penalty for him, but guys like, Ted Bundy or whatever, you know? Um, right. But also, like, I see your point because I believe in, in the importance of due process for whenever an innocent person is being tried for something they didn't do. And, you know, <laughs> that happens a lot. It, it does. Lot. Like, in what Michael Francis, I don't know if you've heard his interviews, but, like, he said they were getting him for stuff he didn't do or his father. They're getting him for stuff he mm-hmm. didn't do. And it's like you know that that's that's uh that's where the due process comes in. Like oh yeah, he's a mobster. He he's not a you know he did bad things, but but they, you know they they're trying to get you for something they that he didn't do, and that's when the due process is, is really important. Exactly, it's basically like they fingered him for five murders, but he only did three of them. It's like right. I didn't, I didn't kill those two, and kill those twins. I was my mm-hmm. brother Larry. I didn't do that. And. This kind of ties into the whole RICO law, which they talked about and explained it very well in, uh, in the film. I, I was not aware about the RICO law. Well, I didn't understand. What, what is the RICO law? Okay. Um, 
it, did you go ahead go, go ahead oh it it it's a law that allows you to charge an entire group of people as an organized conspiracy to commit crime before the rico law this is one of the reasons why it was so hard to take down the mob is that they would the mob was so insulated back in the day. You would arrest like a soldier, someone on the streets. The guy wouldn't flip. The guy wouldn't snitch. And then you had no choice. But now maybe that guy, one of the thousands of people they have working the front lines, um, goes to jail, does some time if you really have something on him. But that's no problem because they'll just pick up another guy, train another new dude to take that guy's place. It was usually just so soldiers, right? It, it was one of those... And then they did like one or yeah. two years. <clears throat> so the Rico law. Yep. One that, or two years. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. But Rico comes in and says, how can we get the guys at the top? Because, you know, we're just getting these dudes for their individual problems. And the dudes at the top aren't running around getting their hands dirty. Right. They're just putting out the orders and they're holding discussions and conversations. How do we do this? So Rico Law says, hey, check this out. If you can prove that more than one person is operating in concert with each other to plan these criminal acts and even benefit off of them knowingly, then we can charge them as an organization now. And then we can arrest everybody. And All everybody five heads of the whole commission can get arrested. And you can charge. You just have to gather the evidence, right? You can charge Castellano for the murders that his soldiers did when he probably didn't lift a finger, you know. So that's how they're getting a lot of the MS-13 guys now. That's how. On the flip side, from what I've also heard, which is kind of scary, um, is where if you are in any way associated, not 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 in criminal activities, but just in in any way associated with someone really involved in like any kind of criminal activity, they can then use a recall on you where, which it sucks. Like if you don't know your friend is involved with, <laughs> with like cartel. But, but I think they're only doing that because it's sort of like, you know, they, I, I think if they do end up nabbing you, it's because they think that maybe you are involved in something, but they don't know. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where it's like, their, their aim isn't to get innocent people, but their right. assumption is if you know the guy, you're probably maybe nine times out of ten somehow involved in the gang. And that's just one of those things where they're removed from, you know, these officers are so far removed from, you know, street, you know, it's just, it's just, that's just one of those just in case things, though, I think, to make it easier yeah. to get people who are actually involved in the gang I don't think they're actually trying to nab innocent people who just, you know what I mean? They're just trying to make the law easier to, like, nab someone who's like, we know you in it. We just can't quite prove it, but we know you in it. You know, it's one of those things. Like, also, it also how can we... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Take it. it also makes All it right. easy for someone like Sammy the Bull Gravano to see, and that's exactly what happened, to see that he's getting, whatever, 70 years... And he's like, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> it was him. I'll and take that's <laughs> yeah, I'll take whatever he did, like 10. And uh, I'll tell you everything John Gotti was involved with. I don't want any part of this. And that's what happened with the Rico laws is, is uh, a lot of these mob guys started snitching on each other. You know, snitches get stitches. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, that's that's also what, what uh, the Rico thing helped 
um, and now it's being used for yeah. Even it, it's Rico is also um, they're pushing. I don't know if you guys know this, but some people are pushing for the Rico law to be used against certain police departments that are involved with like shady shit and fucking Ooh, politicians too. Dope. Was that politicians too? Like right now when um, when those politicians got caught um, investing in, in in or pulling out their investments right before COVID, right before the uh, the stock market crashed. Yeah, remember that? I think uh, one person, one or Bill Gates would be fucked. <laughs> well, one person, I think, ended up getting in trouble, which we, you know, it's just a scapegoat. Every, you know, the other, whoever else was involved in that is fine. Um. Yeah. No. And uh, going to what I just said too about the uh, police is uh, and also with politicians that you mentioned in in the interview that I just saw that I sent you guys with uh, Sammy the Bull Gravano, the most recent interview he did. Um. He he says he wants. I mean, you know, because it happened to him. He wants to see some of these politicians that are corrupt to be tried with the RICO, um, which yeah, that that. <laughs> I, but he said it's it's also only easier used, said than done. But yeah, but he said it's only it's mostly being used on like you know black and brown. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, like Takashi, the Takashi that he they got they got RICO too. That's that's why he ended up flipping on, even though he was like kind of the ringleader. Uh, in a way, that, um, that was one of the hard things about watching this. He was, was their mascot. He was. He, he was. He was the he blood. Was, he was that blood gang's mascot. He was no ringleader. <laughs> they were using him. They were. They were essentially using him to pump money out of him, and uh, he he started to believe his own hype, forgetting that he never was actually a gangster, from what I understand. And then he uh, he got caught up. He what I mean by up. leader? What I mean by leader? He wasn't Bill Floyd. He got caught up. Can you guys no, hear me? I mean, what I mean by leader was like he was the one fronting the money for some of the shit that you know they got caught for. Uh, yeah, we can hear you, Gaspar. Yeah, Gaspar, we can hear you. Okay, so um, another interesting thing that I I really loved about this, which we talked talked about a little bit, but we haven't gotten into it, was the whole thing about. Um, Hearing uh, uh, the FBI agent's story on how they planted these bugs, um, there's a lot of things I took away from that. But I want to hear you guys, uh, your guys' thoughts on that. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Gaspar, how about you go first? Yes, I don't think he's here. Okay, so I'll go then. Okay, all right. So my hats off to the balls yeah. that these men have <laughs> to put on cable television disguises fuck, and to put on like you know phone company disguises and then walk into these fo- i mean what would have happened if because you know the same dude went to more than one house working right. more than one job yes so what happens if you go to one mafioso's house and you're dressed up as like the phone guy. And then you go to the other mafioso's house and dressed up as the cable guy. But the other dude from the first house that you visited just so happens to be visiting the other guy's house. Hey, don't I know you? Don't you also work for the phone company? What, switching jobs? Yeah, that's a... Mm. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can oh, hear okay. you. Yeah. That that didn't cross my mind, but yeah, no, well, that would have... 
they said they he said it later is like if 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 we got if we made a mistake we were gonna get killed yeah but definitely yep especially because the guy is in the in that um in that scene where where he he's talking about you know he's one of the people that would listen in on these conversations and he knew when they or um just so the listeners seen guess what uh, or anyone of you guys you do it better yeah 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 which scene the, the the scene we're talking about where where the talk about when they're planting the bugs like that was one of the biggest things i i i loved um so so okay so the scene starts off with well this is the one i'm, I'm talking about in particular when when because they they bug the first one they bug was Ange, uh because he was a loud mouth we call him quack quack <laughs> <laughs> he was a loud mouth and you know what's funny is there's a lot of guys that I grew up with that were involved with gangs and they were loud about it. Like they would share too much. And I remember thinking mm-hmm. if I ever was a part of a, a criminal organization, I don't want in my. I, I what was it? Uh, Ruggiero. He, he, he was the first one to get, uh, hugged. And it was easy because he was such a fucking loudmouth that, uh, you know, he would just talk so much. It's it's crazy to think. Okay, for me, I saw in the eighties, uh, and how sophisticated their bugging technology was back then. <laughs> you know, now I mean, what was it like forty, fifty years later? Well, now you don't need to look do at where we are with technology now and how much better this shit is um I yeah you just need to hack into facebook that? now are you can you guys hear you me you just need to hack into people's well, facebooks now i said you just need to hack into people's facebooks now exactly you you or or they carry around a bugging device <laughs> in their phone in their pocket 24 7 i mean yep. we're you know, we're doing it. We're talking into it right now. Um, it, it, it's just crazy. So, can you guys um, hear me? The, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, we can hear you. I, I, I thought, yeah, the fucking balls and these guys to go and do this to, to, to guys who will, without a doubt, kill you if they if they fucking found you in their car. The, the scene where, um, so the scene is is this FBI agent. He goes into uh, the mob boss Paul Castellanos, Paul Castellanos' house, uh, disguised as what was he disguised as? A cable guy? Yeah, yeah. He as a cable guy to fix an interruption that they created themselves. That that, that so is, brilliant. Is brilliant, yes. And um, he had <laughs> the funny thing to me was he actually had. Uh, Paul Castellano's like right hand man, his main enforcer, his hitman, who's hovering over him. <laughs> he had him help him hold the light while he yeah, what the, the hell inside of the cable box? <laughs> what an idiot! This is a different time, but it's a different time. But it's like, what the? F- <laughs> well, you know, you're pretty sure that like the guy has no idea what a bug looks like. You know, this is supposedly right. relatively secret tech, so. Yes, he's thinking he's fixing the cable. So he's like, "If you hold 
the light for me. I'll be out of here real quick. I just need this one paper. So you get the guy on your side. Honestly, it may be to funny. a guy who only knows killing. It may be funny in the documentary because it's like hindsight and stuff. But if this were a movie, like set during this time period, and you had like built up the fact that the dude that's about to hand you the flash, the the flashlight or hold the flashlight up for you is the most murderous, like tough street gangster in the world and we've established that in this film already because he just got through butchering Boy. someone and then like mm-hmm. you're planning a bug that's that that'd be incredibly intense scene that scene would that would be that would make alfred hitchcock uncomfortable yes because i feel uncomfortable watching him talk about it like holy shit because you know i th- that guy was one of the guys that died with uh, Paco Solano um, when they were assassinated. So it was like, you know, and he had fucking killed a lot of people. So I had already heard about him in a different documentary. And just to imagine yourself, because me, I have worked as a cable guy before, and there were some customers that give me the vibes, you know, and it's kind of uncomfortable working in their house. So I can just imagine. Did they hover over you? A lot of them sometimes did, yes, but not in a like I'm a killer way. More of a I'm lonely, please don't leave way. Uh, <laughs> and um, I can just imagine how how seeing a scene like that on film, like that deserves either a fucking Scorsese or uh, Coen Brothers, fucking um, like their interpretation. Like that 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 in itself is a is a movie scene, like you said that could be used also the scene where they planted the bug on on uh what's his name tom uh tony ducks the the lucchese crime boss uh oh they planted a bug on his car oh man was fucking jesus oh dude that that scene where they're where they're taking him in he's like wait you bugged my car oh yeah yeah Yeah, well in that awkward silence that follows like yeah sure sure it is that's the, the thing about like that's scary about okay i mean it's scary for the criminals but it also is a, a little like unsettling watching it as a civilian it's like they figured out what car he has okay he has what was it a uh lincoln or a fucking uh i forgot what kind of car i think it was, it was jaguar, lincoln. No? yeah a jaguar jaguar it was a jaguar hmm. and and uh they got a exact rep exact same model as 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 his car and then they spend hours like trying to find the fastest way to plant that bug. It's like just the amount of not just the fastest to... way, but they also test ran it to make sure that it wouldn't make any noise. It wasn't noticeable. Yeah, that you didn't get the road right. noise or anything like that. You know, so then they and discovered you know it was like right. Be- was it right behind the heater? Is where it made the most the least <laughs> noise. And also. What's funny about that scene is uh, you guys have seen Donnie Brasco, yeah. right? Yeah. Remember when when uh, Al Pacino's character is looking for the bug, he looks for that spot, mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 it's based on a real story. So I'm I'm assuming this probably happened right. after. <laughs> it's like, um, yeah. So um, going back to it's, it's funny because they talk about this in in the Donnie Brasco film. The, the the boss gets whacked. Remember, they're looking at the newspaper. The boss gets whacked. The guy with the cigar, um, Carmine Galante, and then the documentary. That was one of the things that they they all got arrested for because they all had to. They 
they all had to agree on killing the boss. And that guy, Carmine Galante, was killed. They call him the cigar. I don't know if you remember how he died. He had he died with his head mm-hmm. in his cigar yep. in his mouth. Um, like a he's boss. He's a guy. Yes, he's a guy who who they also assassinate in the in the uh, Donnie Brasco. Um, what what I what I find interesting about this is, I think one of you, I think you, Joaquin, t- talked about how compare uh, this to like how a corporation or a government has influence, how they work similar. I, I saw that as the Gambinos, for example, because they they helped that that kid to assassinate. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this scene, but after he assassinated Carmine Galante, he went to go hang out with. Uh, with the yeah. Gambinos, celebrate with the Gambinos, and that's something that they that these these mobs did with one another. They, you know, um, they would go and get you know one of the soldiers would go and get the approval from the other bosses. It, it's 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 really like shady because it's like, okay, I'm I'm a leader of one of the families, and Joaquin's a leader of one of the families. And uh, and Gaspar is the leader, one of the families, and we all have this meeting together, and like, cool, yeah, yeah, we're gonna go fifty uh, three ways on on this racket, and we're gonna get rid of this guy. Like, all right, cool. And then I leave the meeting, and then I see one of my guys going into the meeting with you two. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I. I, I I'm chowing down on some tacos and then like my fucking they blow my chest open. Ride mid taco. Yeah, dude, that is is kind of what the the US does to fucking governments in South America. They go and like, you know what? (laughs) We're gonna fuck you and you're gonna take over the government and you're the boss now, all right, buddy? Like, all right. And that's just like it's a, a peep a human thing yeah. dude i don't know like what no that was that was something that, that kind of I, I i started to to think about and i was really young i was like in my early teenage years um where i was like okay because you know you have this fantasy that that out in the streets it's like wild wild west and whoever's the biggest gets to make the shots and for some reason outside of the streets like in the corporate world or whatever like it's not like that right everything's fair there's laws whatever right oh, uh, it was, <laughs> for me it was actually um during um 9 when i was like when i started to kind of have that awakening and you know the more yeah. information you come across the more the more that seems to be true um the- right with like halliburton and the whole iraq war like that that's the other thing, thing that was scary about watching how these these FBI agents were, you know, putting mics or putting mics into the, the the mafia guys is that like we know that they do surveillance on like activists. You know, you have you have there was a wasn't there uh there's been a handful of um of whistleblowers recently that get like arrested, right? Or they get in trouble. Yeah. Well like Edward Snowden, yeah. for example, dude. <laughs> Well, Edward I mean, Snow- okay, Ed- Edward Snowden I mean, is a is is. I appreciate what he did, but what he what he did also merited legal action. He was working for the NSA, a spy organization, and anyone who's ever read anything about the CIA or the NSA or even fictional spy organizations knows that one of the cardinal rules is you don't leak information about what you're doing 
to anyone. So, like, yes, what he did was patriotic, but the U.S. government trying to, like, bring him back to be punished also makes sense because he he did break one of the rules. It It's technically... It's technically treason, but but spiritually not, if that makes any sense. Like, the law book I, says I, it's treason, but in another sense, it was patriotic, depending on, like, who you ask. Does that also apply to so, I think that I think, it's, I think it's true patriotism what he did, man. Agreed. Does, does what you're saying? I, I, I agree with you. I think he should be pardoned, but I wouldn't let him work. Here's the thing. Like, on a personal level, you know... It's like, all right, I can't trust you. Like, it, it's kind of like, uh, okay, if I collected, like, if I collected, like, uh, strands of hair from every woman I, I made love with and I kept them in the box and then, like, one day, he, you know, he, he found it. Like, hey, what, what is this? Like, yeah, that's my thing, man. Just shut up. <laughs> you know? My other thing, too. And then you went and told the whole world, like, you know what? People deserve to know that I'm weird like that, yeah. but I'm not going to be your friend. <laughs> well. The the other thing due to consider here is that he gave the, the implication is that he also gave U.S. secrets to other countries. Um, that's that's yeah. That's and where I don't. Like that you. makes him less cool. So, like, like, did you just tell us but, about the program where they're watching but, us just so you could be a you could be um you turned into a hero while you also sold secrets. Or did you only sell secrets because you knew we were coming after you? It's one of those things. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Because Russia didn't just give him a place to stay out of the kindness of their heart. He had to have traded something important. Right. You did. Yeah. You needed to come. Yeah. Come with some something, something that we don't I, know. You know what but, I mean? But it, so I, I, you're saying that 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 shit was not cool. Yes, I agree. Wait a minute. But, Wait, those Russian bots when they hacked Facebook and the it was Snowden. Yep. Snowden must have given them the tech and the know-how. And that's how that we got Trump that. in office. Snowden's to blame. It all makes sense. I it all makes sense. But here's the thing. I I don't know. Like it's it's easy to say that and then put yourself in this position. Like, would you fucking be willing to take life in prison or bullets in your chest? Or fucking, I don't know. It, it's it's hard. It, the to, other to thing say... is, it's like it. I, I'm surprised that the Russians didn't take the information from him, then throw a paper just... bag over his head and send it back to the U.S. with some sort of cheeky note on it. Oh, I think that's probably a very likely thing to happen. Honestly. But they haven't done it yet, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. I think he's. I don't think he's done running. Uh, to be honest, I don't think he's done. Um, you know, yeah, I don't think he, uh, you're gonna find out he's in like fucking North Korea next or fucking Iran. <laughs> you know, um, and, and I think you you think maybe he's just like leaking information to the Russians out slowly. I yeah, like they're coming to his everything. room and they're like, all right, all right, Snowden, where is the rest of program, the rest of computer virus program that you engineered? And he goes. If to F four, then seven, and they're like, okay, is that it? You no, no, what? no, no, no. I'm having a hard time remembering the rest of it. But that's like, that's like one, one millionth of the code. Come back tomorrow, and I give you some more. <laughs>
you know what he's like? He's like Martin Lawrence in Blue Streak. He's like, what do you think about, uh, what, what was it? Uh, what about uh, P27? P2, P31. 31 flavors, I'll show you. Like, he's just coming up with shit off the top of his head. <laughs> he's just coming up with, have you seen that movie, Blue Streak? Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's how I picture him in Russia. Like, <laughs> stuff keep him. Snowden, Russia. If you're listening, Snowden. I'm sorry if I blew your cover. My bad, man. <laughs> Russia, if you're listening, just got... we're just kidding. Hope he, whatever he's giving you is real. Hope you guys still listen to our podcast. I know we don't have any listeners in pod in in Russia, but oh, know, oh, 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 to our knowledge. To our knowledge, can't tell me yeah, them KGB yeah. folks ain't hacking our systems trying to tell like, all right, are they supporting our, our brother Trump or are they are they with Biden? You must know. It's, listen, I think, I think the FBI uh, would be more worried about us than KGB. I mean, yeah, if we were, I mean, if we were not saying stuff that's on Netflix, you know, I guess. But um, uh, going back to, the, <laughs> I just pictured him. Hey, you know what I also dug Shit. about the, the, the um, law enforcement? Head, I picture him in a meeting with a bunch of uh, Kremlin guys and KGB guys, and he's got, like, uh, uh, charts of uh, Bigfoot sightings. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's kind of, like, bullshitting the hell out of them. Um, sorry about that. So check it. Another thing that I liked yeah. um, was the fact that the guy, over the years, as he was listening to um, the mobster conversations through phone or whatever he would he was also like sending the guy birthday cards and yeah Pacasiano. yes just messing with him that, that's like the, <laughs> that's the, the the friendship finisher in mortal kombat warfare no oh sorry yeah yeah that friendship finisher in mortal kombat friendship no yeah, you're absolutely right isn't that like? Wasn't he trying to do like a form of psychological warfare on him though? Yeah, to yeah, fuck with him. Yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah. Because at first I thought, oh, how sweet, but then I was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 got to be creepy. No matter how scary you are as a guy, like you can be the scariest motherfucker, but someone sends you flowers every birthday, like, oh no, send those away. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with that. Well, they need. But you know what? They knew that the cops were onto them, right? The, the there was a one scene where one of the mobsters like, "Should I kill him?" And then the the guys like, "No, they were just doing their." Job. Yeah, yeah, that was Paco Solano because I guess that guy he, you're talking about mm-hmm. was uh was was like having conversations with his mistress who who he lived with. All right, and yeah, that and he literally was listening to that conversation live, and he was <laughs> she would kill him, and he's just waiting for the verdict, like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah no it's not um another thing that i found interesting was um uh what's his name um he's like let's not kill him he's just doing his job yeah that that was not like, very uh, understanding what a sweetheart <laughs> another thing that i found interesting was when uh michael francis uh who was like one of the only mobsters who was a captain that they interviewed that they have and again to the listeners just like i said before in the Gotti review that Michael Francis's stories are fucking interesting and, and he's he's like he's available on like a bunch of YouTube interviews and he was in this film as one of the mob guys who actually speaks out and what he was doing was like I guess one of the most genius I believe he was like uh so 
in one of the years, I forget what year it was, on the Forbes, Forbes did a list of the most successful criminals. And um, I believe John Gotti was like high in the list. And it was nothing but like actual bosses, you know, not, not, not like, you know, whatever, like actual bosses, like the actual boss of the family who were on that list. And Gotti was on the list and right below him was Michael Francis, who was just the captain, which is like really low in the ranks compared to, um, to the other guys. And what he was doing was he was doing this thing, which I don't understand yet. A hundred percent. I don't know if you guys remember what it was, but he was, uh, he was collecting the tax money on gasoline. So essentially what he was doing was, you know, he was selling gasoline to gas stations and whatever they paid in tax, he kept the, uh, the amount that they paid in tax and didn't pay the government. So you were just keeping the tax money. So whatever you pay, what is it, like a dollar back then, like a dollar ninety on a, on a gallon. And it's like oh, whatever, yeah. uh, 65 cents on tax. He collected those 65 cents, whatever. And he just kept that. <laughs> didn't pay, <laughs> he didn't pay the government. So, I mean, you think about how much gasoline costs. And I mean, sorry, how much people bought gasoline he was making i believe he said 10 million a week or or 10 million a month um his first payout was like two hundred thousand for like the first week um eventually he started doing it and he actually was one of the one of the many i believe he was one of the first guys in the mob to work with the russian mob so he was working with the russians and uh, I don't know if you guys remember this when the FBI guys came to him. It's like, we know what you're doing, but we don't know how you're doing it. So if you let us know, we'll give you an out. Like, yeah, fucking no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for real. It's like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's what he said. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. That, and that, according to him, and I think that's like the one racket where it's, it's like the most clean where you don't really have to kill people, but, um, I, I just to add to that, I just heard another interview with him that he did because he does interviews for almost anybody, it seems. Which, goddamn, it would be great to have him on because I think he really is. Yes, we got to send him an email, dude. It seems like he will do an interview for anybody. Um, he was on this guy's podcast who was like not a very well known podcast, and I, I heard it today actually, and where he talked about he still knows. He's, he he knows he would be able to do that still today because it's a it's a really smart scheme where you can go undetected and he says the only reason he got caught up was because um, he was getting you know they were using Rico on something else and um, his his partner in that in that racket testified against him so it's like he he says he to this day like today if he wanted to if he wanted to fuck up his life that he has now, which is, you know, according to him, he would be risking his family and all that, you know, being locked up again. But if he wanted to, he could still do it. He just, you know, it's not worth the implications are, you know, not worth what, what he has now. And, um, um, shit, it's like, tell me how to do it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> For real. <laughs> but, you know, but, you know, I, um, like, let's see, we, we touched on the weird cards being sent in. We touched on, like, the uh, 
the most interesting bits with the, you know, what it was like to actually go in there and plant a bug. Like, we have the guy who entered into that restaurant, right, and actually kind of, like, was on a date and was trying to look for, like, the best place to bug it, you know? Yeah. The crazy. scene with the dog was pretty suspenseful, too. Oh, yeah. That, that fucking... Uh, what did they do? They actually uh, shocked the dog? Uh... It, it, I forgot it, what it they did to pass to by that dog. I can't hear you guys. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Yeah, it, I Good. grabbed onto the boot, but then I don't remember what happened after that. Uh, I what the hell? But you know the this the the real his, his like historical landmark was what happened with the court case you got three guys in their thirties, pretty young to be handling a case that size. Yes. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but it takes a long time to become a lawyer. Right. Not quite as long as a doctor, but it takes a minute. And then like even longer to build yourself up to the point where you can get to try a case like that. Right. So, but, and it yeah, seemed like they had a lot writing. Some people that have are part of an organization that's been, uh, existing since like the early 1900s, and there's never been a conviction like this before. No. First time in history. No. And you know, up until that point, those mobsters, those aging dudes, are just the lawyers are coming there, be like, "Look, look, Mister Banano ha- has tomatoes in his backyard. He'll keel over and die if you stick him in jail right now. Look, he's just a honest retired." Elderly Italian American, just leave him be. Those tapes, boy. Yeah. Sp- fucking speaking of that fucking banana guy, he fucking. I think he's one of those who got to live exactly like he said. He got to live out the rest of his days uh, in some house in like Arizona, planting tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> can you guys hear me? Yeah. We can hear so, you. yeah. So you know when when you study like uh, the medieval period, like. You have a lot of uh, uh, information about like how people were tortured, right? Uh, I think you, yeah. you can have it uh, written down or on pictures or something like that, or on paintings, and then a lot of those devices that have been able to survive. Like, I think that in a thousand years, when somebody uh, studies us, like if you find a piece, you know, somebody who got put into cement and then buried somewhere like those things are going to be found <laughs> and people are going to be like, man, the, the two thousands, like people got tortured a lot. <laughs> right. Or, or like they find all the guns that they threw in the water. <laughs> well, they're also the, 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 the photographs that all these FBI agents took plus the recordings, like, or the transcripts of the recordings, like that stuff is going to survive. Yep, and you know that's it's funny that you said that because like, for example, the tapes, like I would love just 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 for inspiration or whatever for fucking pure entertainment, I would like to hear some of those tapes. Well, I guess they're probably public public uh, domain, right? If if Netflix was able to do right, that's what I'm saying. Like, okay, they made a documentary, but damn, you could probably write a whole script. (laughs) Yeah. Of all the shit that they're just based on the conversations, like I mean that's what they did with the movie. Agreed. The movie Gotti. I mean, 
uh, Armand Desante fucking studied the fuck out of those tapes because he pulled it off. Like we, like I said, the whole Gotti voice and the the way he talked, like to the fucking. Uh, do you remember that that recording they had where it says "I'll sever your motherfucking head"? Mm-hmm. That was a, that was a recording of John Gotti yep. giving out an order, um, and and that fucking voice was exactly how this motherfucker portrayed it. So I'm just saying, like, on a fucking as an entertainer or whatever, or someone that wants to be in film, that would be an interesting thing to go and look at and listen to all these tapes, because yeah, you I mean. It's different now where we can literally go and watch those cartel videos where they have, you know, it's it's similar, but it's different. Um, this is like when they're relaxed in their home, but they're talking about doing some evil shit. Like, um, yeah, that's that stuff that like it's going to be in the ether forever. Mm-hmm. It's like, what, what do we do with it? <laughs> you know? Crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. I, I, uh, another thing that I liked that they didn't really talk about a lot was, uh, uh, for example, the, 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 I don't know if you guys are familiar with the, with the Guardian Angels, the Guardian Angels, uh, group. Um, they talked, oh, yeah, they touched on that for like five seconds. Which, which, that in itself is an interesting thing. I actually, I don't know if I told you guys, I actually tried to sign up to be a Guardian Angel a few years ago. Um, uh, didn't go through. They have a chapter in the Bay. They have a chapter in Sacramento that covers the whole Bay and and like most of California. Um, wow. Yeah, I, I was considering it a few years ago um, because of something that happened to me, and but I also I don't know. I I also believe in like sometimes you're asking for shit, <laughs> you know. Um, but I just figured I I I don't know. I mean I I would. I would put myself in danger if it was like in the moment, you know, like something I'm 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 witnessing if like someone needs help. But to be out there just like a fucking unarmed, <laughs> you know. I mean I appreciate what they do, but I, I don't know if I would do that. Yeah, I would do that either. They're kinda like they kind of sound like they're uh real are you familiar with the RLS movement, the real life superheroes? No. I think oh I think I've heard of it. It's kind of like the Kickass group, right? <laughs> Remember they kind of inspired Kickass, yeah. Like RLS, basically they back in the mid two thousands, I want to say, like maybe early two thousand tens. No, it was like mid two thousands. Um, there's this movement that came up where you had individuals across the country who started creating their own costumes and going out and patrolling their neighborhoods and like not necessarily beating up criminals because none of them were trained like that. Well, except for one dude, there was one dude who's like ex ex military, like a Marine or something. And he wore like camo pants and a t-shirt with his logo on it, but he wasn't like a masked vigilante, Mm. but his, I can't remember what his, his superhero name was, but he also had a radio where he would contact the police and let them know what was going on and you know but he could definitely defend himself right but some of the more colorful ones like out in San Francisco i think there was a dude named motormouth um they, out in like the uh, uh, pantaluma somewhere there was a dude named the ring or the eye and he had like a 
is dressed like the question with the fedora and a um like a trench coat anyway like that's kind of what the guardian angels sound like to me it's just a group of like regular people non-law enforcement non-professionals going out there trying to uh to make a difference in the best way they understand i think i you know. yeah the guardian angels though from what i remember when i was looking at some of the some of their, uh, I guess, I mean, you know, not requirements, but something they, they prefer you had. Uh, it's like they wanted you to have some form of like martial arts or boxing experience. Um, and uh, here's another thing that I read because I was re- reading their, 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 their whatever their, their newsletters. And um, there was a couple of, uh, like I guess one of them in particular, and I forgot what part of the U.S. It was like not in California, obviously, but he was gunned down because he, he he got involved with like an altercation and some some train, and then those guys later on saw him out in the streets and they gunned him down. It was like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, that's what I'm kind of like. I don't know if I want to get involved like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, we're getting close to the end. This. This was only three episodes, and it was only. This was still season one. Overall, well, man, it's a really before 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 we were out of time. I just wanted to say one a uh, couple other things I really liked about it that yeah. have nothing to do with mafia. Uh, I really liked the photography, the the pictures that the FBI agents were taking. Oh yeah, because it was kind of a snapshot uh, of the era, right? Right. Yep. The other thing that I really like, I'm I'm a huge fan of like cars. And so I love seeing all these like '80s cars, all these boxy cars that that uh, you don't really see. That I go to car shows a lot, and usually when I go to car shows, it's mostly like muscle cars. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, these these cars were like all boxy from you know mid '70s to the mid '80s, so it was nice seeing them. Yeah, I like that too. When it's like a uh, like a time capsule in a way. Yeah. And then seeing those pictures of old New York, you know, old. Yeah. Yeah, that, that always. I always appreciate that. That's one of the reasons I like Godfather Two because they, I mean, they 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 were like the the Godfather Two the scenes when they're when uh, they're filming the the stuff with um, Robert De Niro. They they shot that in like old New York, back in the seventies when New York was old New York, and they really were able to transform it into like nineteen hundreds New York because a lot of the architecture was still you know the same. So yeah, I, I agree, man. That's I I, I always like that and seeing how dressed and stuff. Yeah, I was that was I like that, too. Um, yeah, just before we run out of time, guys, I I, I, I want to say um, I definitely recommend this documentary, even if you're not into like mob stuff. There's some stuff. I mean, if you don't like listening about people, you know, planning murders and you don't want to see dead bodies, definitely, don't, definitely don't watch this because they show a lot of dead bodies and they you hear a lot of people talking about uh, they're going to commit murder. So. Overall, for me, because I like crime stuff, I, I, I give this a 9 out of 10, man. This is really good. I'm excited for season two. Go ahead. What are you guys? Uh, I found no fault with the movie. I, I give it, a honestly, a, a, a 10 out of 10. I thought the docuseries was superbly executed and, and well done. Great I'll snapshot go- of history. I'll do the same. 10 out of 10 for me too. Fuck it. I don't know why I was hoping that.